Welcome to this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church podcast recorded at our Burgoon campus. We're glad you've joined us and we pray that the Lord will speak to you and encourage you through this message. Grace Under Pressure is our series based on the life of Joseph and um, our topic today is waiting on God. And uh, in the story so far, if you might recall that um, it's, it's really gone horribly wrong for Joseph. And as we heard last week, he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of uh, sexual misconduct and, um, and sexual assault. And uh, it wasn't guilty, by the way, he didn't do any of that, but he was accused of it. And so then he was imprisoned uh, unjustly, thrown into prison. And while he's in prison, there's the account of the cupbearer and the baker who are also are prisoners with Joseph. And uh, if you know the story, you know that they then have dreams uh, while they're in the prison cell that are interpreted by Joseph. And uh, Joseph then makes a point of saying to them, look, fellas, if things pan out as I've predicted that they will, this one thing I'd ask of you is, um, would you just remember me to Potiphar? Remember me to Pharaoh? You can almost imagine him calling out after them. Fellas, uh, remember me. Don't, like, don't forget, will you? Don't forget. Remember. Okay. All the best. Well, then, of course, they do forget him. And he's left there in prison where um, we find him in the story. Now, to give the full context of this story, I would need to read probably three chapters. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, but certainly encourage you to read the story when you get home. But for now, I'm just going to read a, a selection of verses from... Genesis 39, 40 and 41, those three chapters, a selection of verses which will focus on this challenge Joseph faces of waiting on God in a situation of extended, unjust imprisonment and, uh, and really powerlessness that he experiences. And uh, you'll see as we go along, I've highlighted a few words just to accentuate the passage of time involved. So let me read this for you. Uh, Joseph's master, this is a bit of a recap from last week, this is a part of last week's reading, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did, right? So he's plonked in jail, and uh, then he's just there, and he's given some responsibility while he's there. That all takes some time. Sometime later, sometime later, the cupbearer, the baker of the king of Egypt, offended their master, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them after they had been in custody for some time. Again, more time. Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in the prison, had a dream the same night. Each dream had a meaning of its own. And then of course, as I said, there's the, uh, the interpretation of those dreams, another whole story we don't have time to read this morning. And then at the end of all of that, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. More time, more time. When two full years had passed, let me just give you a quick context of two full years. You might know that 
uh, two full years ago, no one in the world had any had ever heard the word COVID-19. Two full years, a long time. A lot can happen in two full years. Two full years had passed. Now Pharaoh has a dream. And in the dream, he's standing by the Nile. And so then there's that whole story, which again, you can read. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, at the end of all of that, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Goodness, what a rags to riches story that is, but I, uh, I hope you get uh, at least a, a sense of the time frame involved here and this idea that for Joseph there's a whole lot of waiting. Now, none of us likes to wait, do we? We don't like waiting. We don't like being forced to wait. We've all had the frustrating experience of running late, being caught in a traffic jam. How frustrating. Those of you who work in the CBD will be familiar with the, uh, the Kwinana Freeway here, being caught in a traffic jam. Nothing you can do. You just inch along and uh, you're just forced to wait. Uh, completely powerless. So frustrating, especially if you're already running a bit late. Or what about those times when you have to call one of those big organisations that provides you with a much-needed service and you get that terrible recorded message, your call is important to us. <laughs> well, clearly not important enough for you to answer personally, obviously. You're not that important. Then sometimes you have to wait for up to an hour where they play that, one of those dreadful musical loops that just, go, just gets in your head. Stays there all day, drives you mad. Then sometimes they have the goal to say, this call may be recorded for training purposes. You think, oh, that's good. They're going to train some people to answer my call. Then you ring back a few weeks later. No one's been trained. <laughs> it's still the same annoying process. All the same waiting all over again. We hate waiting. But now in Joseph's story, it's a different kind of waiting. It's not the short-term frustration of being stuck in traffic or placed on hold. This is the waiting of what we might describe as longer-term frustration and longer-term struggle. The longer-term waiting of finding yourself stuck in a rut where things are seemingly outside of your control. And as we read these verses, we get this picture of Joseph stuck Stuck in a rut, stuck in prison, while others come and go, not to mention he's committed no crime. And so then in addition to that whole thing of being stuck, there's this whole, this is not fair dynamic going on. Why me? Why me, Lord? This is not fair. What have I done to deserve this? You know, life goes on merrily for everyone else, but not for Joseph. He's stuck in this rut of imprisonment, just waiting, waiting, waiting for years, actually. Maybe some of you can relate to that. You know, there are all sorts of long-term ruts we can find ourselves in. There are ruts of grief. Some of you know about that. You lose someone that you love, more than likely you fall into a hole of grief, that's to be expected. 
And people gather around you and they love you and they, they care and they try and understand. But over time, they just get on with their lives, don't they? And so they should, fair enough. They should just get on with their lives. But in the meantime, you're still in your rut and uh, you can't seem to get yourself up, out. There are ruts of unemployment. There are ruts of abuse, ruts of mental illness. There are ruts of singleness. There are ruts of marriage, actually, as well. There are ruts of unforgiveness, ruts of despair. There are financial ruts. Often when you're in a rut like that, you end up feeling somewhat alone and abandoned, waiting, waiting for something to change, waiting for some kind of a breakthrough. When we think of waiting, we often think of passivity. You know, we often associate waiting with, with doing nothing, staring at the ceiling. Uh, we, we think of wasted time, waiting. But when the Bible speaks of waiting, and in particular waiting on God, it's a different thing altogether. Biblical waiting, here's a quote for you. Biblical waiting is not a passive activity, but is demonstrated by active dependence upon and obedience to God. This is important. In whatever rut, rut you're in, whatever prison your circumstances have placed you, there are things for you to learn that you would never learn had you not been in the rut that you're in. Mostly the ruts are not of God's making, but God has purpose for you while you are there. So whilst your instinctive prayer may well be, Lord, get me out of this rut. It's a fine prayer. It's an understandable prayer. Get me out of here. Get me out of this prison. Totally understandable. It's a valid prayer. I'm sure Joseph would have been praying that. And yet the Lord may well have things to teach you while you are where you are. This is one of the great themes of Joseph's story that people set out to harm Joseph. His own family, circumstances were against him. He was a victim, actually, in so many ways. He was unjustly imprisoned. But God was at work in the midst of all of that, as he always is. And God's purpose, God's purpose is to build something into your life, in and through the troubles and trials and tribulations that come your way. And so let me quickly give you three things that God is building while you wait for him. Number one, God's building character. We don't like this one. Enough character building, Lord. I'm ready to move on from that now. But let me share with you a quick parable. It's a story being told of a time when the Lord uh, told a man he had work for him to do and showed him a large rock in front of the man's cabin. And the Lord explained that the man was to push against the rock with all his might. This the man did day after day for many months. He worked all day. His shoulders set squarely against the cold, massive surface of the unmoving rock, pushing with all his might. Each night the man returned to his cabin, sore and worn out. And seeing that the man was showing signs of discouragement, Satan decided to enter the picture by placing thoughts in the man's mind. Thoughts such as, you've been pushing against that rock for a long time. It hasn't budged. You know what? You are never going to be able to move it. 
Give up. Just give up. It's hopeless. So these thoughts began to trouble and discourage and dishearten the man even more. And so in the midst of battling discouragement, the man decided to make it a matter of prayer and take his troubled thoughts to the Lord. There's an idea. Lord, he said, I've laboured long and hard in your service, putting all my strength to do that which you have asked. Yet after all this time, I've not even budged that rock by half a centimetre. I'm failing you. And to this, the Lord responded compassionately. My friend, when I asked you to serve me and you accepted, I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all your strength, which you have done. Never once did I mention to you that I expected you to move it. Your task was to push. And now you come to me with all your strength spent, thinking that you've failed. But is that really so? Look at yourself. Your arms and legs are strong, muscled. Your back is sturdy. Your hands are calloused and strong from that constant pressure. Through opposition, you have grown much and now your abilities surpass that which you used to have. Yet you haven't moved the rock. But son, I didn't ask you to move the rock. I simply asked you to push. It's my job to move the rock. See, it was while Joseph was in prison, he learned all sorts of things. He learned things about leadership. He learned things about himself. He learned things about patience. Seemingly time wasted, but, it, you know, it wasn't time wasted. It was years, years of character building and preparing him for what God had in store for him. Years for Joseph of dependence and obedience and faithfulness. Isaiah 40, 31 reminds us that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. It's a verse we love to quote. What's not clear about that verse is that waiting might be an extended period of time, might be longer than you think or than you want. Those who wait on the Lord, sometimes the waiting is days or weeks or months or years. But those who wait, those who wait on the Lord, and understand that the Lord is with them in the waiting. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. It's a beautiful promise. Number two, as you wait on God, he's building friendship and new friendship opportunities. I would say um, Margie and I have had a pretty great run in life. In fact, there was a visitor a little while ago who came to me after a message, oh, it seems like things have gone pretty well for you. And yes, they have. We have so much to be thankful for. We can certainly sing of God's goodness and his faithfulness, and we do. But let me tell you, there have been a few ruts along the way <laughs> that I could tell you about in my life. In my late teens, I had a car accident and uh, uh, was very nearly killed. I had a fractured skull, a dislocated jaw, broken bones, Cuts and abrasions, serious cuts and abrasions all over my body. I was in hospital for two weeks. I know a thing about physical pain. I went through a lot of physical pain. Since then, I've had a couple of uh, wonderful kidney stone adventures that I could tell you about in great detail. 
Pain, I tell you. <laughs> Physical pain, I know something about that. Early in our marriage, we experienced some financial struggle uh, where we weren't sure where the next dollar was going to come from. We know the pain of moving away from family and lifelong friends. You know, for a while I was in a, a deep rut after leaving everything that was familiar to come to Perth. We've had some experiences of depression and anxiety, panic attacks. We know something about that. We know the pain of miscarriages. And we've had a good run. We really have. But we all have our stories, don't we? We all have our stories. We all have our rut experiences. And what I've discovered over the years is that as people share their pain with me, I'm often able to say, you know what, I know something about that pain. I was careful to say, I know what you're going through. I don't, don't ever say that. I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through. But I've learned the value of being able to say, I know something about that pain. But often there are bonds of friendship and trust forged by common experience and mutual understanding. And so now when someone comes to me and mentions miscarriage, <laughs> I go, oh, I know something about that. When people come to me and say, you know, we're, in, we're, we're living in Perth, but we've, we've left all of our family and friends in South Africa to come and live here in Perth. Some people might say, oh, that's, that's nice, welcome. No, no, I know something about that. Whatever rut you're in today, I can pretty much guarantee there's someone else in the room. There are others in the room who uh, are in a similar rut or have been in a similar rut to the rut in which you find yourself. Someone else is in the rut with you. Others have been where you are. And so here we are together as the church, as the family of God. And God in his grace gives us to one another to help, to support, to learn, to grow together, to find friendship in the common ground of suffering and struggle. Here we are together, not to be alone in a rut, but to help one another. Friendship. This was certainly Joseph's experience. It was while he was a slave, he met Potiphar. While he was in prison, he formed a friendship with the baker and the cupbearer. I bet those guys became great mates. It was these relationships, it was others formed in the rut of imprisonment that paved the way for Joseph to be raised up to great things in God's purpose. And so Isaiah 30, 18 says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. In your rut, where you are, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Blessed are those who wait for him. Number three, we'll close with this. As you wait on God, he wants to build dependence in your heart. You know, uh, you are dependent upon God. We all are, actually. We are dependent. Uh, whether you believe it or not, uh, it's a true statement. If you have no belief in God whatsoever, the teaching of the Bible is that you are, in fact, completely dependent upon God. 
Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus sustains all things in creation by the power of his word. The very fact that your heart continues to beat this morning, the very fact that blood continues to flow through your veins this morning, is it, it's only because Jesus sustains your very life by the power of his word. Without that, everything just collapses and becomes lifeless. Some of you might like to check your pulse and make sure you are still with us. Sometimes we sing, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. It's your breath, Lord, in our lungs. You breathe your life into us, physical life. And so in response, we pour out our praise. Or we don't. We choose not to pour out our praise. Either way, it's his breath that's in our lungs. We're totally dependent. And at one level, we perhaps understand that truth and we're, uh, we're aware of that. But, you know, how quickly we forget, how quickly we drift in the direction of depending on our own ability and our own ingenuity and our own resources, how quickly we come to that place of thinking, actually, I think I've got this. I'll let you know, Lord, if I need your help, but I've got this. Things are going well for me. We have some success. We build up some financial reservoirs of stability. All of a sudden, we put our trust in those things. We sit back and think, have a look at this. Look where we're living now. Have a look at our place. <laughs> yeah, God is good. But have a look. Have a look at these renovations we've done. Wow. We've really, we've done all right, haven't we? We've done all right. And then, bang. How many of you know the circumstances of life can cast us into an unexpected pit, an unfavourable health diagnosis, a family crisis, an unforeseen challenge, and we develop a fresh understanding of the degree to which we are dependent upon God. We're totally dependent all the time, but we have a fresh understanding of the degree to which we're dependent upon God for all things, even the breath of our lungs and the beating of our heart. And, you know, desperation is a powerful motivator. And David the psalmist, when he wrote Psalm 27, we get a bit of a sense of his circumstances. He's got enemies encircling him. He's got armies besieging him. If you're following the news in Afghanistan at the moment, you know there are communities there who are being surrounded by Taliban armies on all sides, and they're waiting for the inevitable destruction of their communities and the terrible things associated with that. This is exactly what David's going through when he writes Psalm 27. And he writes these words, wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart and wait for the Lord. Or in 130 verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits and in his word I put my hope. This is, friends, a, a prayer of desperation when things are going horribly wrong and we find ourselves in a rut. I wait for the Lord, my whole being, I've got nothing, my whole being waits and in your word I put my hope you know Satan wants to destroy you wants to destroy your life through the difficult challenges of life he wants to tear you down cause you to despair he wants you even to abandon your faith yeah you know I've tried that whole prayer thing it's not, doesn't, it's not working it doesn't work it's supposed to give up But God wants to use those very circumstances to build something new into your life, to build character, to build friendships, to build dependence. So as we come in a moment to a time of communion...
don't start messing around with those things yet. Let's just take a moment before we do that and bow before the Lord. Let's bow our heads as we bow. Just want to invite you this morning to do something that's just between you and the Lord. If in any sense you identify with that image of being stuck in a rut, stuck in a place you wish you were not in, trapped in thoughts or circumstances, might be something deeply personal, it's just between you and the Lord. But if sitting here this morning with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you'd say, Lord, I'm feeling stuck here waiting on you. Maybe it's been a while. Let me just encourage you to raise a hand to the Lord, not to me. I'm not even watching. Just raise a hand to the Lord. Just let these scriptures wash over you this morning. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. Hear the Lord say to you, do not be afraid. I am with you. I am with you in the rut. I'm with you in the waiting. I'm with you in the struggle. I know, I understand. But I've called you by name. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. As I'm with you always. So Lord, we wait. Many of us wait in desperation. Many of us wait in a rut, not of our own making. Lord, teach us, we pray even today, what it means to wait not in passive resignation but in active obedience and dependence that even this morning we will be those, Lord, who determine to keep our eyes fixed on you, determined to wait on you, to, determined to learn whatever it is that you're wanting to say to us and teach us in this place. Deliver us, we pray, but teach us and make us more like you. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear from you. If you would like prayer, please submit a prayer request at mounties.org.au forward slash prayer or send an email to communications at mounties.org.au and one of our team will be in contact. Have a great week.